Okay, we're learning down a few tests. So we added the Mishnah right in the bottom of Yud Chasmah Beis. Uh, again, talking about the preparations of the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur. So it said that the the Zikne Beis would give the Kohen Gadol to the Zikne Kuhuna, and they take him to the Beis Avtinas. The Beis Avtinas were the the family in charge of the um, of the Katoras. And the, and the point of this was that the Kohen the Kohen Gadol was going to learn not only about all the Avodah, but specifically about the way that he's supposed to be mocked with the Katoras. So that's what the Gemara opens right here. Tana, the top of your Tasmat Aleph, the Bryce is explaining why the Kohen Gadol was brought to the Beis Aptinus, the Beis The reason was, in order to teach him how to fill his hands, as we discussed yesterday, it's not exactly an easy feat. And knowing, having the dexterity and just the skill to manage it all is not so posh. So that's why um, the Kohen Gadol would have an education about it throughout the seven days before Yom Kippur. So now the Gemara continues. We, we know that there was a Lishkas Farhadrin. Lishkas Farhadrin is where the Kohen Gadol lived mainly in the seven days before Yom Kippur. And there's all, now we're also learning that, the, the, that he's going to the Avtinas, the Avtinas chamber and he's going to these two places. And so her Papa says, Amar Papa, stay Lishkas of the Kohen Gadol. Comes out, the Kohen Gadol had two different uh, places, two different Lishkas. Achas Lishkas Farhadrin. One was a Lishkas Farhadrin. Achas Lishkas Bez Avtinas. And one's, one was a Lishkas Bez Avtinas. Now it seems like and this is what, uh, it, it, it sounds like it's before in Rapapa, but Rapapa has some evidence as well, that it also, the Lishkas base of Tinas was also a place where the Kohen Gadol slept. We didn't see that necessarily so much in our Mishnah, but it was also um, a specific, like a private place where he, where he could be. Uh, that's what it seems like as well. And it's not so clear, again, where, what was the part of where the, he's being taught the, the filling of the Ketaras, what's the part where Stam, he has an extra chamber, but the bottom line is, somewhere around the general area of the base of Tinas is a chamber of the Kohen Gadol, and he also has his chamber of the Lushkas for Hadron. Now, we don't know where each of these are located. Uh, we know the following point. We know one of the chambers was in the north. Remember, all the Lushkas are like built into the walls, built into the walls and extending out. So one of them is in the north part of the Azara, and one of them is in the south part of the Azara. That's, that's what we know. We don't know which one, which one is which. Now we're going to go through how we got that background that one's in the north, one's in the south. Achatz bat safo, and the fact that one of them is in the north, that we know from the Mishnah of Midos. It's not, it says in the Mishnah, in the Mishnah of Midos here. Sheish, Lishkos, Ayubadzar. There are six different chambers in the courtyard. Shalosh, bat safo, and shalosh, bat safo, between the north and between the south. Now, there's actually some in the east as well, but uh, that's not what the Mishnah is concerning itself with. There are three main Lishkos in the north and three main ones in the south. Shabadarom. The one in the south, Lishkas Hamelach, was the, the salt, the salt place, the place where they would keep all the salt. Um, remember, all the carbonates were salted in the base of Mikdash. So they definitely have a big chamber of salt. Lishkas Haparva. So Lishkas Haparva is one of them. And Lishkas Hamadicham. We'll talk about Lishkas Haparva in one second. And the Lishka where they would wash all day Murim. So now we go through it. Lishkas Hamelach, Shosham Hamelach, The salt chamber, that's where, they would, that's where they would keep all the salt for the carbonates. It was a big storage place of salt. Lishkas Haparva. They used to salt the hides of Karbanos. Now, just to understand what's going on here a little bit, the, um, the, the Kohanim are Zoha and the Or. The Kohanim get the hides from Karbanos. It's not Kachim. Actually, after the Zrika, it's very expensive. It's a, it's a good sense, source of income for the Kohanim, actually. Now, one of the things you want to do to the hides is salt them. It's like, you know, you know from Shabbos, like Ma'abed, right? That's what it is. And it's, 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 it's kind of like a, the preliminary steps of tanning. Right? You want to harden it and you preserve it and so on and so forth. So why? The, it's interesting that the condom used to be allowed to use the salt in the base of Mikdash to tan the highs, which is really not part of it. It's not a navoda. It's not a dinkachim here. That's the whole point. It's private property of the condom. But that was part of one of the Tanai Basin that they established was that the condom were, were allowed to use this salt for certain things 
uh, that, that, was, that was necessary for them. So at any rate, and it makes sense that it was very convenient. The salt was kept next door at the Lishka Samelech. So it was kind of just brought over. They had another Lishka here in the base of Parva um, where they used to salt the, the Oros HaKachim. And what else was in the Lishka Parva? That was the interior. The Al Gaga on the roof of the base of Parva, there was a mikvah that the Kohen Gadol would use on Yom Kippur. It was, was very interesting. It was like a natural spring that came all the way up to the roof of the Parva. And that's where he would go uh, to the mikvah on Yom Kippur. We're going to learn all about the many tefillos that the Kohen Gadol had in Yom Kippur. That's where he immersed on the roof, the roof of the Lishka's base of Parva. Then the other one, here again, we're talking about in the south, the three in the south. The rinsing chamber. They would rinse off all the, the kravayim, the inside parts of kachim, which were written on the Mizbech. Now, it's a little bit strange that we do this because, remember, we do shechita in the, in, in the Azar, right? In the northern part of the Azar. And then there were, we learned actually about, very passingly, but we learned in the as well that there used to be these little tables. There used to be rinsing tables that were there in the Azar. So it sounds like there was a chamber of rinsing there's also rinsing tables. Some of the, some of the say maybe it's like, there's like different levels of rinsing. Sometimes it's like really gross, really gross stuff they would probably do in the chamber. And then just like an additional wash, clean, extra cleaning right before it goes on in this bath, maybe they would do outside. But anyways, there was a special chamber here built in the southern part of the Azara where they were washing away the, the, the parts of the kachim. There was also from that lishka, from the lishka samadichin, there was a staircase, a mesiva, which was ola, uh, to the Gagways of Parva. You could get up from there to, to the rooftop from there. Okay, so those are the three in the south. Now, Shalosh of and the three in the north. Lishka's Ha'etz, the Lishka of the wood. So, presumably, this is what it was that we would. The, it, 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 the, we learned, and remember, we were talking about the Aron and this and that about the Lishka's Ha'etzim and the Kohen Gadol who may have found the Aron back in Shkalim. He may have discovered the oven, he may have died. But it does, it's not a regular storehouse. There was another storehouse. That was all the way back uh, in, the, in, in, in the Lishka, in the Ezra's Nashim. So it's not that super clear what, why it's called Lishka's Eitzim here. If it's storing wood, if it's just made out of wood. Lishka's Eitz, we have Lishka's Hagola, the Lishka of the Golis. We'll see what that means. And Lishka's Hagazis. I mean, Lishka, Gazis is, is stone, like cut up stone. So we'll see why they're called that. So here, Lishka's Eitz. I forgot one in the world the purpose of this thing here. Right? It's not, it's not the storehouse of the wood. So what in the world does it do? It's made out of wood, but what does it do? So Abishol Omar, Abishol said, Lishka's Kohen Gadol. It was a Kohen Gadol's chamber. It was, it was made for him. And so, so it's one of, it's a chamber that it's either is quarters of Lishka's Frahedrin or it's the one of Lishka's Beis Abtinas. We're not sure which one it is, right? We just see it's the Lishka's Kohen Gadol. It was, it was his private chamber. Okay. Continues the Mishnah here in Tamid. The wood chamber was behind the other two, meaning it stuck out back behind the other two. The one of the Gola and the one of the Lishkasagazes. The Gashlash and Shtafa, but the roof of all three of them uh, were exactly the same height. So, in other words, the ones here in the north, the roof of all of them in the north were the same height. That's the point we're saying. Now, Lishkasagola, what is that? Sheshamaya Bar Hagola. It was a well, a specific well of water. And it was there, there was a wheel that you could be able to draw out water from the well. And what was the purpose of this well? Mishama speaking, my Macholaz are familiar, they supplied everywhere. Uh, everyone who was coming to the Azar with water. So it's called that specifically because when the time of the Gola, when people are coming, that's why everybody needs drinks. So it's like a big water fountain. It's like the water fountain where everybody would come and get a drink. Fine. Then we finally get the Lishka Sagazis, the Lishka that was made not of wood, but here it's made of cut stone. Shamai Sanhedrin, Shayisro, Yushavis, Uzanis, Akan. And this is where the Sanhedrin sat. Now, 
It's very interesting that the, the, the Lushen that the Gemara uses here is that the Mishnah uses is that the Sanhedrin would sit and don the Kohanim. You know, when you talk about the role of the Sanhedrin, this is Sanhedrin Agado, like the 71 judges, like this is it, the highest court of the world. They, they do many things. I mean, it's like they, they're, they're judging, it's like the Supreme Court thing. But the, it's, a, it's a very interesting Lushen Mishnah. The, the Lushen Mishnah is that they, 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 they would sit and judge the Kohanim as if that, that was their Iker, that was their Iker purpose. I mean, we know also that it's fascinating that this rule of the body of court is situated in the Azara at all. I mean, what's it got to do with the Azara? So we learn there's a drasha that, 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 that the Sanhedrin is supposed to be next to the Mizbeach. Okay, interesting point. But it's still interesting that there was like a special dion they oversaw who was a good coin and who was not a good coin. And Mishnah was an apostle. Let's say there was somebody who was disqualified. And, you know, we find out that he's really not fit to do the Avodah. So I love Ishkorim. He would start wearing back, he would clothe himself in black clothing, and even, you know, cover his whole head in black. And he would leave the courtyard. Now, we don't mean if somebody found, um, found to be a Balmum. A Balmum was actually allowed to do certain things. He wasn't allowed to do the Avodah, but he was definitely allowed to remain. We're talking about somebody who's like, you know, a fake coin, so to speak, like they... They busted up his ichas or something. I don't know. But, uh, so he would have to leave. Shalom is so on any coin that there was no absolute love. Shalom is the bottom. They usually would wear white. He would go to Mishamish with his brothers, the Karnim. So, fine. Bottom line is, after all is said and done, what did we pick up? What important detail did we just see in that Mishnah? We just learned that a coin Gadol has a Lishka that was in the northern part of Hazar. didn't say a name. didn't say the Lishka Fahedrin or the Lishka Spaceftinas. But it said that a coin Gadol had a chamber there in the north. Okay, now Rapapa picks up his perspective here. Ah, says Rapapa, and I'm going to show you that the Kohen Gadol also had a chamber that was in the south. How do I know? It's not because we learned in the Mishnah, Mishnah Midos, Shiva Sha'arim, Azara. There were seven different gates, gateways to get into the Azara. Three in the north, three in the south, and one in the east. In the south, Ashar Hadlaka, there was a gate, and we're always starting, when we, when we start them, we, we're going from west to east. So the so it's in the south, but the first one in the south that was furthest west, that was furthest west was the Shar Hadlaka. It was the fire gate. It's not that clear exactly what the fire gate is. Rashi actually says he doesn't know. Actually, it's interesting to see there. Rashi he says that he doesn't know why, why it was called the, the Shar Hadlaka here. Okay. But uh, I think I remember from, remember we had this in Shkolem. Some of the, some of the, some of the Mepharshim said that they used to, all the wood came in. From the wood from the outside was brought through it. So Dalek, you know, like in Israel, Dalek is gas. But Dalek means to light, to ignite. Okay. Shahad Laka. Shani lo Karba. Next to it, the other gateway was the Shahar Karba. And all the animals that were brought in would come in. So in other words, it, I think it makes sense. Like, you didn't have, like, uh, the main entranceway was in the east, right? We're going to learn the Shah and Nicanor. You don't have people and animals, like, coming in the same gateway. It doesn't, it doesn't pass. So they had a special gateway. All the animals, all the animals would come in. Shlishilo, the third one. Um, and again, we're coming further east now. Shar Hamayim was the Shar, was the Shar of the water. So what does this mean? Rashi says it means that on Sukkot, when they would bring in the water, they would bring it in specifically through that gate. Now we go to the eastern side. Sheba Mizrach, in the eastern wall, and this is the main one. The main entrance was Shar Nikonosh, Nikonosh Gate. And remember, we learned from Shkolem, Nikonosh was a person, he had these copper doors, a whole special thing, a story in the boat, and it was sinking, and he was Moser Nefesh, and, he, and, and eventually the other, the, other, the other copper door came, and even when they came to the base of they kept the copper, all the other gateways and everything, they turned into gold, was befitting. But for, for, for this one, to remember the nays, they always kept it copper. 
So that's the east. Then the Mishnah mentions that also in the east, there were two little Lishkos on the east. And his, the last Mishnah didn't mention these ones, but they definitely existed on the east there. One to the right of the Shar Nikonar, one to the left. There was a Lishka of Pinchas and the Malavish. So basically, there was a dresser. It's an interesting thing. He would keep big day, the Big Day Kuhuna there, and he was a dresser. Like he would, he would, he would help the Kohen Gadol get dressed. And Shkallam the Gemara made like a big point of saying, like you see from here the importance of having a good dresser. Like it's not, shouldn't undervalue like what, what that can do. Okay, that's, and his name was Pinchas. And, uh, and Achas Lishkas Ose Chavitin. And one was the one where they made the Chavitin. The Chavitin was the Kohen Gadol's daily thing, right? So the Kohen Gadol, every single day, it had a special mincha, flour, oil, water. So that, it was, that they would make it over there in the east, in this little Lishka right next to it. Shabbat Safa, now we move over to the gateways in the north. Shar Nitzos, the gate of the Nitzos. Nitzos means like the strong, like, like bright, bright rays of the sun. So it seems that there was a gateway that was built where there were three walls and it was open on the fourth. So it was like a very sunny, like bright spot with the sun. So it was called the Shahanitza. Binyan Achsadra Haya, it was built like an Achsadra again, which has three, three sides and open on the fourth. There was an upper story that was built on top. And this, this is the, someone could enter on top of it. There was a chamber. And what was on top? What was this chamber? Every night the Kohanim would stand on top of this story and they would guard the base of Mikdash. This is a whole thing in the beginning of the Talmud we learned. There's a mitzvah, Parshas by Midbar. There's a special mitzvah in the Torah to guard the base of Mikdash by the Kohanim. And then the Pasuk says, that the Levim also have to attach themselves to you. And they were enjoining, right? They were enjoined to help, to help the Kohanim. That's the name Levi. They, they attach themselves to you and help the, how about, how about the Kohanim. So it sounds like the Levi was on the bottom, the Kohen was on the top. Again, this is on the Lishka on top of the uh, top of the of, of the Shar Hanitzas. Okay, Pesach and it also had an entrance to the Chel. Remember, the Chel was the part of the Harbayas that was right around the Azara. And there was like some sort of fence that went around it and it, and it blocked off some people who, let's say, were Tmei Mesim. They were allowed to be on the Harabais. They weren't allowed to come any closer. They weren't allowed to come into the house. So it was like, kind of like a buffer zone to, to protect the Azara. Shani Lo. Now we learned that there was another gate next to it. Shar Akarban was the Shar of the Karban. So what, what exactly does this mean? Right? We already had a Shar Akarban in the south. Why do we have another Shar Akarban in the north? So we had this in Shkalim. The Gemara in Shkalim said that one was for Kachim Kalim, one was for Kachim Kachim. Why? Because Kachim Kachim have to be shafted in the north. Of the Azar. So it made sense that they had like their own entranceway that was directly to the north. Whereas the Kachim Kalim, that could be slaughtered anywhere in the Azar. So then they had their entranceway was in the south. Shilishilo, the third one to it. Shar Beis Hamoka was the Hall of the Fire. I hope that one sounds familiar. This one, the Shar Beis Hamoka, the Hall of the Fire in the north, that was the one that we discussed, remember, with the four chambers in the corners. Remember that one? That was this one. Remember, we learned that there was the the, the, the chamber of the lambs and the chamber of where they made the lechem upon him and the one with the receipts and the one with the intense fire and there was another entrance down to the mikvah. That's this one. That's this one big lishka, which is called here the Shar Beis Hamoka, the Hall of the Fire. All right, great. So what did we see here? We, um, we see that there was this, uh, the, we, we, we see that there was the gate, the water gate was located here on the southern side of the Azar, right? We see that again. And we were talking about the ones that were on the south, that there was the Sha'ar Hamayim. The Sha'ar Hamayim was over there, again, where they would bring the water, the water in 
the water into the Azar during, um, during Sukkot. So anyways, we see that there was a Shar Hamayim. Okay, so what, what, what does this have to do with anything? Tanya continues, Rav Papa, it says in Abraisa, Chamesh Vilas Vazar, Kedush Tov Kadosh Baba Yom. And Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, used to tovel himself five times. There was Vietzvila five times, and he would wash his hands and feet ten times. Again, we'll learn about that later on, where we get all that. But it says, V'kulon Bakodesh, Al-Gag, V'Sapa'arva. Oh, where were all these things done? All the Tvilos were done, Bakodesh, they had to be done in the Azara. The mikvah had to be located in the Azara. There was a mikvah that was on the roof of the Shara Parvas. Okay, and we learned about the Shara Parva before. However, Chutz Mizu, except for the first one. The first one wasn't really part of the, of the Avoda. The first one was just to come in, the regular one. So that one, Shaisa Bachol, that was located in, in a Hulan area, not in the Kodesh section. On top of the Shara Hamayim. Okay, so we see that the Kohen Gadol was going to the first tefillah that he would do on Yom Kippur was in a roof in a mikvah that was on top of the Shara Mayim. The Shara Mayim, it's interesting, it's called the Shara Mayim because they brought the Nisach Mayim inside. But on top of the Shara Mayim was a mikvah. It was located not necessarily by Kodesh and he would go, his first one was there. Ubitzav Lishka Sohava continues the Brisa. It was right next to his Lishka. Which now makes a lot of sense. The Kohen Gadol, his first view of Yom Kippur was right next to his Lishka, was very convenient. So what do we see? That the Kohen Gadol had a, had a Lishka, which was next to the Sharmayim, which was in the south. So we went through it, so all these long things saying in the first, in the first Mishnah about the Lishka, that the Kohen Gadol had a Lishka in the north. Lishka's Kohen Gadol was one of them in the north. And here we see, that he had a lishka right next to the Sha'ar Hamayim, which the Mishnah in Midos is, is telling us is in the south. So clearly the Kohen Gadol has two separate lishkos. That's the answer. And that's, that's okay. He has two lishkos. But now the suffix is, which one is which? Says Rapapa Veloyadana, e lishkos vashim vashim lishkos leftinos badarum. Is it the lishkos vashim in the north or the lishkos vashim in the south? E lishkos vashim vashim lishkos vashim badarum. Or vice versa. Which one is it? So Rav Papa continues, It's more reasonable to say Lushkos for Hedron was one that was in the south. My time, what's the reason? Because let's think about the schedule here. Right? Well, let's think about the schedule. He's going to wake up, if the Lushkos for Hedron was in the south, and the Lushkos for Hedron where he's doing the Qataris is in the north, then what would happen? Let's just think about his day. He'd get up early in the morning of Mesech, he'd cover his feet, and, and go to the mikvah. Right? That's just a nice way of saying right? he, used to, he used to go to the bathroom. So he'd go to the bathroom and go to the mikvah every morning. And that would be, where is he going to the mikvah? Again, next to his chamber on the, uh, on the southern side. Okay, fine. Then then you're saying at some point during the day, then he was going to go to the, uh, he's going to cross over to the north of the Azara and practice by the, by the Aftinas people how to, how to do the Qataris. Then he's going to go to the base of Mikdash and do the Avoda the entire day that he's supposed to do. Remember, that's what he's supposed to do, the Avoda. And then remember, he sprinkled with the Paraduma right at the end of the day. We learned about that. Then he has to go back to the south side and go to the mikvah. Why does he have to go to the mikvah? Because remember, we learned on Dafidala that when you're sprinkled with the waters, then you have to go to the mikvah in order to purify yourself. So he went to the mikvah again, and very good, he went to sleep right next to Lutzen Fahajin. So it's very convenient, because his mikvah is right next to his chamber. Remember, his mikvah is the Lushka's base of not the one that he used special on Yom Kippur, the regular mikvah, the one next to the Lushka's base of mine, not the Lushka's base of Parva. The one next to the base of mine was right next to the place where he was sleeping. So that's all great if the Lushka's Fahajin is in the south, right next to the mikvah that he's regularly using. However, yeah, but Lishka's Fahajin cell phone, if Lishka's Fahajin is in the north and the base of Tina's in the south, then he start have to cross over so many times. He has to get up each morning from Lishka's Fahajin, go to the bathroom, then go all the way to the south and go to the, and, and go to the, go to the mikvah and then learn Khafina. Now, by the way, when he's going to the mikvah, he probably can't even walk through the Azara. He probably has to walk all the way around because he can't cut through the Azara 
to do that, first of all, he has to go to the mikvah. That's the whole point. He might there's a din you don't enter into the azara until you until you've immersed yourself. And second of all, he's coming all the way across. Then he goes to the and does all avod. They sprinkle him at the end of the day. He has to go back to the south to go to the mikvah because you have to go to the mikvah after being sprinkled. Then he has to go back all the way to the north in order to go to sleep. For the night, because he sleeps in the Lushka, in the Lushka's Fahadrin. So what do we see? Would we make him burden him so much? Like, so basically the point we're saying is that out of convenience, wouldn't it be better if, his, if the place where he slept was right next to the mikvah? Because then things would be much more convenient. If not, he's going to have to cross twice in the, right when he wakes up to go to the mikvah, and at night, after he goes to the mikvah back to bed, twice back around the Azara, it's very inconvenient for the Kohen. So wouldn't it be a lot more convenient, if you look at his schedule, if he would just sleep right next to the mikvah, uh, out there on the southern side. So we're saying it's much more mistaber that the Kohen Gadol's lishkas for Hedrin was on the southern side, southern side, which would place then the lishkas Yisaftinas on the northern side. So, okay, so at Dafidal, the Gemara says like this, if you tar a person, it was sprinkled with the ashes of Paraduma. We sprinkle him as a Mila just in case. But if in reality he was tar, you know what happens to him? Paradoxically becomes Tameh. So how do we take care of the fact that he became Tameh? He goes to the mikvah right before Shkia, then he has Harav Shemesh. So that's why he needs the second one. So he needs the first one in the morning before you enter the Zara, the Stama, then you have to go to the mikvah, and then he is at the end for that. So if his bed is in the south, it's very convenient, very Gishmak is right there in the south and goes to sleep. But if not, it's very inconvenient. So the Gemara says, Rapapa's proof is not a proof. Why shouldn't we burden him? It's good to burden him. We should purposely burden him. If he's at Stuki, he's going to get overtired from this. He's going to be like, this whole thing is not worth it. He shouldn't become haughty. Meaning the Kohen Gadol shouldn't be treated like royalty. She's treated like royalty, he becomes haughty. So we, we humble him. We make him walk a lot. Fascinating things. Says the Gemara, if you don't say this, and we're really trying to... Just make everything so convenient for him. Now, why don't we make all the chambers all on the same side? He'll never have to walk back and forth. Make, make the Lichka's base of Tinas right next to his quarters. One's in the north, one's in the south. Don't, why? At least at one point, he's going to have to cross over. Why? Why don't you put the Lichka where he's learning about the, the Ktaris right next to where his quarters are? Must be. We don't want it. Inami, Why don't we just make one chamber? Why do we need two chambers at all? Great point, right? Why don't we just teach him and have the thing in the Lichka's Fahadrin? Must be the whole thing is about burning and we're the Afka purposely burdening the Kohen Gadol, again, for these two reasons that the Gemara says, is that if he's at Stuki, it, will, it might tire him out, and he'll and, and back out, or maybe the point is just to humble him. Okay, Gavaldik. So now we analyze, the Mishnah said that we make him make a Shavua. What was the Shavua that, that, that you're going to do everything the way we said? Amr Ishi Kohen Gadol. So the Lashon that, that it says is, we are the Shluchim of the court, and you are our Shliach. That's what we say to the Kongolo. You are a shliach. The Kohanim, when they do that vodah, they're not the shluchim of the people. They're the shluchim of the Abishta. How do we know that there's the shluchim of the Abishta, not the shluchim of the people? If they would be our shluchim of the people. The shlichas work. If I can't do something, if it's in, I'm incapable of doing that vodah because I'm in Yisrael, I can make a coin a shliach to do that? Clearly, that's illogical. Must be then no, it's not Peshat the Kohen is doing that vote to of the people. The Kohen does that vote to of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Very fundamental question. The Gemara talks about this in Kedushin and in Dharam and the idea what, what Rav Huna Be'i was saying is that it has to be, it's not Peshat, if you think about it, it's so philosophical. Is the Yisrael Be'etzim supposed to bring the carbon just he can't and therefore is Mamana Kohen a Shliach? Or is the whole din that the Yisrael, the way he's supposed to bring his carbon is he drops it off by the Ebesh Shliach and the Ebesh Shliach brings it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the question. 
So Rav Huna Yeshua said clearly it's shlucha derachmana because there's no capacity of shlichos to be man as someone who can't do something that, that who could do something you can't do. But here in our Mishnah, what did we say? We said specifically the Kohen Gadol, you are our shliach. Uh oh, that doesn't sound like Rav Huna Yeshua. So the Gemara says halchikamale. They didn't mean. You are our shliach to do the avoda. It wasn't talking about the ma'is avoda. It was saying, It's saying that the shvua that we're making you swear to is according to our understanding. That's all it's saying. It's not saying you are our agent to do the avoda. It's saying when you take the shvua that you're going to do the avoda correctly, we mean the way that we see the avoda to be correct. So that, those are the terms of the shvua. So if you're at Stuka and you believe that Hashem said to do the avoda in a certain way, you can't swear to that way because we're making the shvua on you kifi our shlichas, meaning you are doing it in the way that we see that that's why that avoda should be done. And that again will make that if he, if he would then go do it otherwise, it would be a false shvua. Okay. So we totally missed the boat in understanding it literally. You are our agent. It had nothing to do with the concept of shlichas. All right. Then everybody would start crying, it said, right? He would turn away and cry. They would turn away and cry. So the says, Who poke up here? She would turn away and cry. He just got accused of being a tzaduki. Nobody likes that. And anyone who's gets punished on their body. So, so, so it's a very painful experience to do, uh, to do such a thing. Okay. It's an interesting thing. They're, right? they're, 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 do you think they were actually obviously not. They're just, you know, that it's like it's like security, but the point is, it's a sign of the base Mikdash where we're holding. It's a sad thing. Says What's so important? What are we so scared that Stukim are going to do already? What, what's so scary? What are they going to mess up? You shouldn't be masaking the katoras outside and then bring it inside. What does that mean? You have the coals and the and the and the, and the spices. The Tzdukim used to pour the coals, they pour the spices over the coals before they entered the Bekol Shakadashim, and they entered while it was already smoking. They held the Pshad and the Pasa, means that the Kohen God was supposed to appear in a cloud of smoke. And we don't, we believe that's not true. We have many, the Pshutah Shomikr and Achremos by the Doris is not that way. And we have a different understanding of Kiba and Akaporas with HaKadosh Baruch. So the, according to us, the, we only pour it over the coals once we're already standing inside the Kodesh HaKadosh and Bein Abad. The Tzedukim were Mesakim Bibachot, and then they would come in. Says the Gemara, Tanah Rabbanah Maizah B'Tzuki Yachad, there was once a story with the Tzuki, Sheiskim Bachot Zvechnes. This is what he did. He prepared the Ketorahs, he put it on the coals outside the Kodesh HaKadosh, and then he brought it in. When he comes out, he's very happy. So his Tzuki father uh, meets him, Amr he says to him, Vni, my son, Afi, should Tzuki on you. If we may have the power, we may be calling Gedolim. We start him in a Prushim. We're scared. You see, they, they weren't so, they were, they were scared of, of, of the rabbis. But the bottom line is, you know why I'm so happy? Because I was always bothered with the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, And again, the Tzudukim understand that means that, that the Kohen Gadol is entering in the cloud of smoke. So Amarti, I said, When in the world am I going to get a chance to do this Pasuk? To do it the way, like, thinking about it. If you have to put yourselves, they held, they were right, right? So the Tzudukim are saying, when am I going to finally, someone's going to be Mekayim the Din Avodah the way you're supposed to? And now I finally have the chance to do it. You think I'm going to be scared of some rabbi? I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to go ahead and do it the way that we, the Tzutukim, think it should be done. But Amru, the writer now continues. They said, what happened to this guy? La Yamun was just a few days later. He died of the Ashwa. His body was thrown into the into the garbage, he wasn't even buried. And there were worms that were coming out of his nose. What's the significance of the nose? The idea is because the nose is the first thing to, to go into the Kodesh HaKadashim. So we look at the nose as like the worst thing. 
It didn't take a few days. He actually was hit right as he was coming out of the Kodesh. He was as he was coming out of Kodesh There was like a big clap, like the huge sound that they heard in the Azar Shabbat Malach. An angel came and he struck him across the face. All the brothers of Kohanim went in to see what's going on. They found that they had a mark. Like there was like the of, 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 of a foot that was stuck between his shoulders, which was the, from the, the hit of the angel. So they have just like a rounded foot that's an imprint of the Malach's doing that the Malach had killed this Tzaduki Kohen Gadol. Okay, great. So then we learned about, okay, we have to keep the Kohen Gadol up the whole night, right? So we had someone talking in the Mishnah that they would read in front of him and read in front of him different things with Daniel. So Amar Zachar ben Kavuto. That's his name, Kavuto. So what once happened, the Gemara says a story here. Machid Ravchana Barav Lechir Barav Kamid Rav. Ravchana Barav taught the Mishnah to Chir Barav in front of Rav. And when he was teaching it to him, he taught him the name Amar Zachar ben Kavuto. Instead of Kavuto, it was Kavuto. Rav made a hand gesture that it should be with a vase. How did he make a hand gesture? He like went like this, like you know, with his fingers like like look like a vase. I don't know, not so sure. But he made yeah something like that. He made something with his fingers to say that he should correct him. So the Gemara says, why is Rav motioning with his fingers? Why isn't Rav just correcting the teacher? So the Gemara says, he's in the middle of Shema. In the middle of Shema, you can't talk. So therefore, Rav was motioning with his fingers. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to make motions with your hands in the middle of Shema. He's not allowed to make a signal with his eyes. Or try to, you know, like, like talk to somebody silently by moving your lips. Or make a gesture with your fingers. Anyone who does this, he's making all sorts of hand, hand gestures. What happens? All of a cause of Omer. It's not, it's not, you didn't call it to me, Mr. Yaakov. Meaning you didn't do the right thing by saying the Shema. You're not saying the Shema properly. So it's a kasha. How could Rob make the hand gesture he's in the middle of the Shema? So the Gemara says, Lokasha, Parakrishon, Parakshani. The Isra to make the signals is Parakrishon. Whereas Rav, Rav was talking about Parakshani, the second parak. So what's going on here? So Pashup Shad is, it's a really a Shaila, where he takes us back to the second parak of Parachos. Where do you need to have Kavona? There's Machlaikas, big Machlaikas, what parts of Shema do you need Kavona? And then we're saying that you have to have Kavana throughout the whole first parak. In the second parak, you just have to say the words. So in the first parak, we have to have Kavana. Mimela, there, there's a din you can't signal because it, it distracts from your concentration. It's hard to concentrate when you're signaling things. However, in the second parak, in the second parak, where that's where Rav was signaling because there's no din of kavana. That would be the Pashup shot. However, Lamai says, move in the sheet of the rif and the halacha, that that's not that way. The, the kavana either stops after the first pasuk or al havecha, maybe we stop with the din of kavana, but the isra continues the whole first parak. So what's the shot? And if you think about it, I always bother me and see this. Why is it distract from my kavana to signal? I just take a break for a second to do it. It's such a distraction in my kavana, right? I'll go say the word again. The part is, the riff learns up, it's about Zundar din. It's not a din because you won't have Kavana. During the paragraph that's so choshev that it's mechai of the Kavana, even not in the Pesukim, you even have to have Kavana. There's a din that you have to be focused. You have to be locked in. There's two dinim. You have to think about the words. That might only be the first part of Allah. Think about the meaning, whatever the kav- meaning means to have concentration, have Kavana. Then there's a different din that you're not allowed to signal. It's not practical because if I'm signaling, I'm not going to be thinking about the words. So it's very interesting. We might pass in until after afterwards, you don't practically have to think about the meaning of the words. But the Isra and Misa is the whole first parak. But Al-Kopadim, Rav was doing this in the second parak, therefore everything was allowed. 
Continues the Gemara, Tan Rabbanon, some harsh words of Musr here. Vidibar Tabam. The Evisha says, I gave you the power to speak. You're only allowed to speak about Taira, but only allowed to speak about, I'm sorry, about Shema. Bambalo Batfila, you're not allowed to speak about Davening. What does that mean, you're not allowed to speak about Davening? So Rashi learned that when you Daven, you can't be heard. You have to say the words of Shema, but when you daven, you can't be heard at all. Rashi's mashma, you're not even supposed to hear yourself talk. That's a kasha. We have arrived from other places you are supposed to. All tumult in the post. When you daven, you have to daven silently. Fine. You can only be speaking about Torah. What does that mean? Hashem says you only have allowed to speak Torah. You can't talk about you know, things that are meaningless. You're not allowed to stop shmuz about nothing. You should speak of them. What does that mean? No, it just means that whatever you speak about, What's the main conversation of your life? It's supposed to be Torah. Everything else should be all right. So meaning it doesn't mean you're not allowed to talk. It just means that the Torah has to be the keva. Says the Gemara, Anyone who speaks a regular conversation is over on a mitzvah's essay. You're always supposed to be speaking in Torah. So if you speak a regular conversation, you're over at essay. So the Pasuk is mashma, that you shouldn't be wasting your words with um, other stuff besides Torah. Says the Gemara, now we're talking about Yom Kippur night. Zok to Mishnah. Bikeshle, his nomin, the Kohen Gadol, wants to doze. So wanting to doze means like his body, right? He's starting to doze is the point. Perechikuna makin lefonah ve'etzbat surada. The Kohenim would snap the etzbat surada. So with the tsarad finger. So we'll see which one that is. For Adam Mimlo, they say to him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, my master Kohen Gadol, Ahmed v'havik al-chayesu, why don't you stand up? Stand on the floor. By standing on the floor, then you'll... Uh, then you'll be able to wake up. And they would keep him busy until the dawn broke and they were able to go do the shechita. So it says the Gemara, what does it mean they snap with the tzrada fingers? We have two opinions. It means a tzrada is a rival. So it means the rival of the one next to it. So meaning it's the rival... It's, it's, it's a contraction of two words. Tzrada, tzrasa, dada, the rival of this one. So it means the, the index finger. So they would press it against the thumb and then it says that they would go and snap it against the palm. I don't know. I find that very hard. Sounds like it's a very difficult thing. Other, other Rishonim maybe learn that it means differently. It means Rasa Dada means the, the, the middle finger, which they would snap. But either way, there was a snap in the finger against the thumb. And the Gemara says, Mahi Gudol. That's what, it's a rival to that one. So either it means the one right next to it, the index finger, that's the Pashup Shad in the Gemara, the rival of the thumb, the one right next to it. Machler Rav Huna, Rav Huna made a demonstration. He snapped with the Tzrad, the finger of Azul, called the Rav. It was such a strong sound that it went throughout the entire base measure. Fine. But Omrim Lo, we said to him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, so stand on the floor. So the Gemara says, what exactly they do? They didn't just tell him to stand on the floor. Omar They said, show us something new. What, what do they want the Kohen Gadol to do? There's some exercise. Mahi Akhva Do a Kida. A Kida is some sort of like very cool push-up exactly. Not so clear what it is. Doing it on your thumbs or something. The bottom line is, is that they got the Kohen Gadol involved actively. And that was meant to wake him up. We keep him busy until, the, until it's the time for the Shkita. How do they do that? They wouldn't play music for him. Music has sound, but it can also make you drowsy. Or there was singing. It was a kumzitz. They used to sing songs. Hashem wouldn't build this house. Then is there any reason why all the builders are working on it? So they used to sing songs to the Kohen Gadol. And there was a very interesting practice. People in Yerushalayim would stay up the whole night. Why? What was the point? We want the Kohen Gadol to hear the Kol Atayra and not let him sleep. And sleep would not overcome it. Meaning there was a tremendous rash. There was huge sounds that were taking place in Yerushalayim. Different shiur and different sounds. All the hak would keep the Kohen Gadol up the whole night long. 
Continues the Gemara Tanya, it says in the Bryce of Abba Shalom, This practice, it became a minog, night. It became a minog even outside of the base of Mikdash, and everybody would stay up the whole night long. People would remain awake all night long. To remember the base of Mikdash. But what happened? It led to sin. Why? What was the sin? Because think about it. Rashi says they used to invite the women there. There used to be sin. There used to be promiscuous activity, which would happen. The Gemara says a fascinating story on Vayvi Timur of Nachviso Tikkum of Narda. This bride says, "Mamish, what happened in Narda? What happened in Narda?" The Amar Leiliyah, the Rav Yudah, who the Rav Shalach Hasida, Eliyah, and Rav Yudah, the Rav Yudah, the brother of Hasida, said to him, "Mitzvah Amai Lo Asim Mashiach." You always say, "Why isn't Mashiach here?" But in a Yom Kippur, it's Yom Kippur. I'll tell you why Yom Kippur Mashiach is not here. Today is Yom Kippur. The bowl came up with of Narda. Today was the first time oh, there were many Basulim who lost their Basulim on Yom Kippur. Why in the world are they losing their Basulim on Yom Kippur? Because they were having Bia that night for the first time for the promiscuous activities that were made from all the programs and activities that were happening on Yom Kippur night in Arda. Amalei Rev, Yudah said to Eliyahu and Avi, HaKadosh Baruch What does the Abishta say in such a moment? How does the Abishta respond to that? That on Yom Kippur, all these bad things are happening. So Amalei Eliyahu Ali Navi said a very famous Gemara. It says in the Pasuk, Lavata Chatas Rovitz, right? That it's at the door. So meaning, it's the Yitzhahara's fault. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I know it's the Yitzhahara's fault. So what about the Satan? The Satan's got to jump on that. The Satan, my Yomar. The Satan has no Rishus to say anything on Yom Kippur. So it's not really, we don't get in such trouble from this. Says the Gemara Mimai, how do we know that the Satan has no Rishus to talk on Yom Kippur? The word Hasatan, if, if you do the Gemachra, is 364. That means the Satan could accuse us on 364 days. But on the holiest day of the year, the 365th day of the year, that's the day that he doesn't have right to say anything, he's totally silenced. So it's a Mayurdika paradox. The worst of the things were happening on Yom Kippur night in the Hardah, all from everybody staying up and engaging in promiscuous activities. The Te'evish does seem like, eh, it's okay, Rovitz, and the Satan has nothing to say with it. And that's the way it concluded. And it was all to remember that the Kohen Gadol used to stay up all night learning in the base of Mikdash.